It's time for episode 203 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's about 3.47% more accurate than a sundial. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined, as I am almost every week, by my co-host, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing pretty well, Micah. I... Should we replace the show with a sundial? Is that, a... Is that something <laughs> we should do? Well, see, you should just replace the clock that we watch with a sundial. Um, we'll always have to be in the light and make sure that we never record this like with the blinds closed. Or, or like with an eclipse, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can also oh, play. That, that really threw a wrench into our plans to do a sundial-themed episode this week. <laughs> <laughs> that doggone eclipse. Oh, dear. Well, you know, I, I think it's about time that we welcome our wonderful guests. We have... Editor-in-chief of Supersite for Windows, a columnist at The Observer, of course, podcaster at The Incomparable, the one, the only, Lisa Schmeiser. How you doing, Lisa? After an intro like that, I can't be anything but great. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so glad to be here. We're so glad to have you. And to my left, an assistant editor at TechHive and Macworld. And man, it's hard to believe that, you know, you're just an assistant because you seem to do so much. I feel like you uh, should be I'm a actually our managing editor. Oh, now, you're Dan, managing. But you, you, thank you. Let me point out, though, <laughs> then you need to update your Twitter bio, my friend. <laughs> you got to yes. tell me yes, all this stuff. All right. Managing <laughs> editor at Macworld and Tech Hive, Leah Yamshan, is here. Hi, Leah. Hello. Good morning. Nice to be here. So glad to have you here. And um, I'm crossing out all my notes and making sure I put in your new title everywhere. <laughs> I mean, who uses Twitter anymore anyway? Come on. That's, that's um, well, you all know how this show works. And if you don't, you're about to learn. We've got 30 minutes. We're going to talk about four tech topics. And I'm going to get us going. So, you know, I- I've seen a lot, of he- a lot of leaks hit about the HomePod and about surrounding software dealing with uh, the next versions of iOS and everything. And... You know, when I first heard about the HomePod, I was like, "Mm, not something I'm interested in. But as I hear more and more about it, and I see photos of it, I'm kind of interested. So I'm curious, do you think that when HomePod, when the HomePod ships this December, you will be getting one? Let's start with you, Lisa. Micah, I was on a tech TV episode with you where you were expressing all of your disappointment with the HomePod. <laughs> Backtracking! <laughs> the internet never forgets, Micah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I'm not getting one. <laughs> I, would you like me to elaborate? <laughs> oh, yeah, just a little, just a little. <laughs> uh, so I should put, sounds not really, a, a stereo system like that really isn't a priority for me. So I, I don't see the point to the expense. And in terms of uh, managing my digital assets and things like that. To be honest, I'd much rather have an appliance where I could voice command it to say, back up my files or sync all of my assets across assorted uh, file repositories or things like that. Um, but again, it's a personal preference. If you're somebody for whom music is a big passion or, um, or you just like having music on in every room, then, you know, go for it. I'm, I'm glad it makes you happy. <laughs> just not my jam. Uh, I guess I'm buying leases then. 
Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was also very skeptical, uh, I think like you, Micah, after the announcements at WWDC and what's kind of, you know, I have some, a couple Sonos speakers, I have, uh, an Echo and a, a Google Home. So like, I've got all this crap that does pretty much the same thing. And so if it were just me as a consumer looking at it, I might be tempted, um, because certainly the appeal of having a streamlined all Apple setup, uh, does seem like it's a uh, pretty convincing, but uh, as someone who writes about a lot of these topics and especially has written a lot about the Echo and the Google Home, it seems to me that it, it makes a lot of sense to have this around as a comparison. Uh, and so for me, it, it's a worthwhile investment because it lets me broaden the kind of things that I have expertise in. It lets me actually try out and compare these systems and see which ones really work. And it lets me have three virtual intelligences that I can pit against each other in a war <laughs> where only one wins. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get one. I same thing with me, like at WWDC, I wasn't I was excited, but not too impressed just because um, we haven't really seen or at least there and we didn't really see much of what it could do. So with with these leaks that have come out, we've seen a bit more. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued now at this point. Um, I also don't have any other like smart home speaker, so I don't have any echo devices. I don't have a Google home. Um, and I always enjoy going into other people's homes where they have them because the novelty of it for me is still like fresh and fun, um, to use because I don't have one in my own home. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the first version of the HomePod and playing around with it and kind of seeing what that experience is like. I, I still think it looks like a spider web covered tater tot and that opinion <laughs> will not change. However, yes, I mean, I probably would have gotten one regardless of whether I absolutely wanted one because this is one of my my beats, so to speak. It's one of the mm -hmm. things that I know the most about are these these different smart speakers. Um, but in terms of actually desiring to own one, that sort of grows with time because I do like the way that Apple TV, that the Apple TV works with my different devices and with home kit and the home pod is promising a lot of that same sort of functionality so i think that there will be more opportunities there um, to use it as more than just you know an in-home speaker but i'm curious to hear how it sounds with all of its fancy tweeters going this way and that way and, and subwoofers and all that jazz so it should be interesting regardless um, and and that seems exciting thank you all for your answers and now we go to lisa for her question all right um so this was inspired actually by CES 2017, so it's way back, um, and it's on one of my favorite uh, keep an eye on topics. Uh, a Seattle cyberspace security firm recently found that a lot of domestic and industrial robots are, quote, dangerously easy to hack. People can come in, log in remotely, and control your robots. Um, does this make you more likely to want to bring automation and robots into your home? You can customize them because they're easy to hack. Or does this make you less likely to want to bring in the robots to vacuum your floors, play with your kids, feed your pets, <laughs> things like that? Uh, I'm really excited about robots to vacuum my kids and play with my floors. I think that is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, this is interesting. I, I think it is a big concern. Uh, you know, there's a lot of areas where security sort of seems to be like sort of uh, second thought, afterthought. Uh, we've talked a lot about this with Internet of Things, how bad the security is on a lot of these devices. Um, and yes, 
that is concerning. It's more concerning in cases where the the IoT devices where they're sort of harnessed to other ends rather than deliberately like causing problems. Like, oh no, somebody's turned my lights on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know, obviously, when you're talking about robots, you're talking about something that has the opportunity to physically interact with the world around it, and that does cause more risks and more problems. I mean, I'm not sure that someone's going to use your Roomba to like unlock the door, Velociraptor style, to your house and let somebody in, but. <laughs> It could happen. I don't know. <laughs> Clever girl. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think it's a risk. It's, <laughs> and, it's testing the walls. <laughs> <laughs> it's bumping into everything. Where's the weak spot? Um, I think it's a. It's definitely something that needs to be considered. If you're going to make something that interacts with the physical environment around you and it's network accessible and can and doesn't have strong security, that should not be allowed pretty much anywhere. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely not adding any any robots into my home until I am sure that I can only use them for like self defense, not for attacking me. That's my rule. <laughs> you know, I also was going to say no robots in my home, but this Roomba as a self defense mechanism is sounding really good. <laughs> like I might be inclined to learn how to hack my Roomba if I can uh turn it into this like, you know, home security device. Um no, I don't have a lot of home automation uh or robotic things in my house. Nothing has really appealed to me. I live in a small apartment, so having like a, a Roomba hasn't, you know, I haven't really needed that. Um any of the pet feeding robots, like that kind of weirds me out a little bit. Um I think the closest thing I do have like a nest system and I know those have been not the greatest in terms of security. Um so that certainly is a cause for concern. Um but yeah, I agree with Dan that if more and more of these uh, home, auto- home automation devices are going to be coming to the market and going into people's homes, security really needs to be um, on lock because the average consumer isn't going to care about customizing these devices through hacking themselves, but they will be freaked out about the thought of somebody else being able to do that without them knowing it. My hope is when the when this technology eventually makes its way into homes it will be the the security of those items will have more attention paid to them uh again that's me being hopeful and mm-hmm. like rose tinted shadesy of course but um i think when we think about them being used in sort of manufacturing or industrial uh, locations maybe the security isn't one of the first things that that they're thinking of they're thinking of um how little you know energy is it using? How can we make it do the best job it possibly can as fast as it possibly can? And how can we keep it safe in terms of it not running over someone's foot whenever it's moving between different zones, like lifting a car or whatever it happens to be doing? But when it comes into people's homes, I think there are other security factors that companies will want to protect themselves from. And in doing that, we will hopefully see a little bit more security and privacy taken into account because companies I think are paying more and more attention to that as time goes on and people become more and more likely to uh, sue on those grounds. So this is inspired again at CES 2017. There were a lot of little robot companions, uh, especially in the technology aimed at children with the idea that your child can play with robots and it will presumably make them smarter. And I thought, you know, this would be super, if somebody wanted to, they could just, they could easily hack the robot and then use the the camera that's built in to a lot of these robots to, you know, case out a joint and and rob it or um, do all sorts of weird and demented stuff. And we're also seeing there were a couple of robots for elder care as well. So when I was like, oh, they're super easy to hack, the first thing I thought was, 
this is really bad news for, uh, for, for keeping people safe at home. Um, I'm all for automation, if, especially if it eliminates boring and tedious jobs. But unless and until the people who are embracing automation also embrace security as like a core part of it, um, I don't want it anywhere near me. And I'm honestly not that convinced that companies are prioritizing it as much as they should right now. Fair, fair. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I just checked the sundial, and since mm -hmm. the eclipse is over, I can tell that it is halftime here at mm -hmm. Clockwise. Thank you all for your answers the first half of the show, but I want to tell you all about our friends at Squarespace. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Squarespace. You can enter the offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout, and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, and with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, you are gonna rock it. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog about your in-home robots. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. You don't have to worry about patches. You don't have to worry about upgrades because Squarespace takes care of it all. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. The reason that I love Squarespace the most is that I hear about these new features coming to these different uh, web platforms, and then I go to Squarespace, and Squarespace already has them. They were one of the first to launch HTTPS, uh, and I didn't even have to do much. I, I think I flipped a switch and it was on. Apple Pay, all that jazz. I'm like, all right, Squarespace already has it. Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month, and you, you who are listening right now, can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, you're going to use the offer code CLOCKWISE because that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and you'll be showing your support for our show. We thank you, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. All right, Dan, it is time to kick off the second half of the show. What do you got for us? Nothing is sexier than backups, Micah. So we're going to ask about backups. Uh, crash plan. This week announced that they would be discontinuing their consumer level service and moving to small business and enterprise focus. My question for you folks is, are you a crash plan subscriber? Does this change what you're going to do? Are you going to move to their small business plan as they seem to be urging people to do? Are you going to move to a different provider? Do you already use a different provider? Do you not back up things online? Why? Why would you do that? Uh, that <laughs> is, those are my, those are my assortment <laughs> of questions for you. Feel free to answer them in any order. Leah, what do you think? So uh, at Macworld, we have a business account of CrashPlan. So my work machine is backed up to CrashPlan every day. Um, I am assuming we're going to continue to use it. I haven't heard otherwise there. Um, I used to have a home account um, several years ago, maybe like five years ago or so. And I liked it um, in terms of the just having an online backup. But um, I didn't find the experience of like restoring a machine from the online backup to be that great. So I canceled my subscription to it. And I've just stuck with like yield time machine backups to a hard drive, you know, on a daily basis ever since then. Um, I don't really think I'm going to try um, any of the other online-based backup systems because the old-fashioned way has worked just fine for me so far. Um, I think they're recommending you switch to Carbonite, uh, which I haven't tried, so I can't really speak on like how, how good that option is. Um, I've only ever used Backblaze. 
but I paid for it a long, long, long time ago, and it's worked well for me in terms of uh, just knowing that it's there and knowing that it's constantly backing up all my data somewhere off-site. So when the eclipse brings the tides and destroys my home, I know I have a, back, a backup off-site because that's totally how eclipses work. Um, <laughs> so yes, Backblaze is my off-site backup. I keep almost everything that I have in Dropbox as well, and then I also have a local time machine backup. So I haven't needed to use any of the other ones because I'm not that prepared. So I'm actually a pretty compulsive digital declutterer. And um, as a result, I don't have a concerted backup plan with a service provider. We have a Drobo media server that I have all of my digital media stored on. And if I lose my iTunes library, I can always just download it again from the cloud. And as far as my other assets, I have them with a number of cloud-based services. And I do have some physical backups on hard drive that I do occasionally refresh from time to time. To be honest, I don't think I'm going to go with a commercial plan of any sort right now because what I have is working and my stuff is backed up in enough places where I don't need to worry about it. I'm the lone person who is a crash plan subscriber, I guess. Um, just me and not anymore. Uh, yeah, I've had crash plans up for years, if only just because it gave me the peace of mind of having that offsite backup, which as Micah described, when the eclipse decides to block out the sun and everything fails. <laughs> I guess that'll still affect it. So never mind. This is a terrible idea. Um, yeah, the online online backups just give me peace of mind. In addition to my time machine backups and my like daily daily uh, super duper clone of my Mac Mini, which is sort of like my my elder fail safe. Um, so I am thinking strongly about switching to Backblaze. There's also Arc A R Q, which is a sort of a do-it-yourself online backup where you install the software and then you hook it up to your cloud storage of your choice and use it for backups. So that is another possibility I've been looking at, but Backblaze certainly seems easy and uh, pretty pretty fast to use. So that's what I'm looking at, but I think there are, seems like there are a lot of crash plan customers out there looking for options. So glad we have a few still out there. Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our fourth and final topic from Leah. All right. So uh, this week, Android Oreo came out, and that got me thinking about how uh, Google has named its Android operating system over uh, the last few years, going with the dessert-themed names, going alphabetically, and here we are at O. Um, Apple has also given nicknames to each release of OS X, starting with its big cat theme and then moving on to the California nature motif that we're seeing now. Um, but Apple hasn't given iOS a cutesy nickname, so I was kind of wondering why you guys think that's the case. Uh, do you prefer the straightforwardness of the iOS naming system or the nicknames we see now in macOS? Um, and if Apple had to give iOS a theme, what do you think it should be? Ooh, wow. Um, so I, I, I do like the cutesy nicknames. I think they're fun. They kind of are, are good for, for people who aren't necessarily steeped in technology, uh, where they can say, oh, yeah, I have Oreo versus I have iOS 11.573. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and I like that macOS switched from uh, cats to California places, but it seems like they are sort of half-heartedly interested in that themselves, the way that Apple kind of like, we make a joke about marijuana, and then we give you a name, and then they kind of move on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And macOS doesn't have much uh, that changes about it. But I've decided that if iOS were to uh, go for any sort of theme, it should be fabric. So you could have like... <laughs> 
<laughs> you could have like iOS nylon, iOS rayon, <laughs> iOS linen, you know, that kind of thing. Dacron, I think it would be fun. iOS canvas. Bias. <laughs> macrame. Denim oh, on denim. <laughs> <laughs> iOS denim. Oh my gosh. A I light love it. Like poly cotton blend. <laughs> iOS, iOS velour was a really smooth release. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh no. Uh, Lisa, what do you think? I find the psychology of nicknames kind of fascinating because I, I think it's a great opportunity to extend a brand or create all sorts of subliminal associations. Uh, at the risk of making myself sound very, very old on this podcast, I can remember a series of um, print ads Apple did in the 90s when they first started uh, promoting their, 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 Mac, their portable computers. And it would literally be people sitting on a cliffside with a computer in their lap. I guess the idea being that you could hike all morning and then knock on a quick spreadsheet before, you know, after, <laughs> after summoning. So when they switched to the California place name system, I'm sure I was not the only longtime Apple person who was like, oh, the ad. And, and that was so, you know, that was reinforced. Um, and when you have the Android nicknames, they're cute and they're edible. And I think it actually does a really good job in creating a user expectation that like junk food, this is quick and fun and easy and awesome and over really soon. So expect something else. Um, as for what to nickname iOS, you know, I would almost go with like elements of the peri periodic table or something that was vaguely futuristic, um, something that that felt kind of uh, mobile, we're in the future. And, um, you know, iOS beryllium sounds kind of cool. <laughs> iOS tungsten, iOS niobium. And it gives you all sorts of opportunities to to do like either crazy like 1950s retro sci-fi type illustrations to roll it out or to go like full-on Blade Runner if, when it, you know, it's iOS Chromium. Um, so that's what I would do. I love that. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do like the nicknames. I do think I agree with Lisa that they add a great opportunity for branding. And I think they are definitely more friendly than having just the numbers roll out there. They are sometimes a little bit of a mouthful. I mean, I remember when, uh, when Mavericks came out and everyone was like, those of us who are not from California were like, why is there an S on the end? It seems weird. People, you know, people definitely got confused about it. Um, I think High Sierra may be a bit of a mouthful, but we'll see. Plus, man, did they get their their quota of high jokes in during that. <laughs> um, I iOS, I feel like it would be cool. I don't think it necessarily needs it. I have two naming schemes in mind. My, my go-to scheme for everything is naming things after spaceships. So I feel like they should name things after spaceships, which is similar to Lisa's futuristic uh, idea. But I, maybe just because I like the idea of let's continue along the food trend, bagel flavors. So we got like <laughs> iOS pumpernickel, salt. iOS, iOS salt, iOS everything. I mean, come on. It's just basically just takes care of itself right there. Cinnamon raisin. Mm, I would, I would but, totally install iOS cinnamon raisin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But where do you go after everything? Like, <laughs> That's like, the last that release, That seems Leo. to kind of be the last release of iOS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then they move on to a new theme. I mean, like they move from And then the singularity to, uh, happens and we all get the plant yeah. and green plants. Well, we won't be using smartphones by the time they run out of bagel flavors. Uh, all really good ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the Android naming system a lot. I think it creates a lot of fun, like summer hype for Android users where they're trying to guess what uh, the next release is going to be called. Um, it give, creates a good like marketing opportunity for them because they, they're all these really cute, like dessert themed little Android figurines. Um, I 
certainly don't think Apple would ever go so far as to like create cutesy, just for fun merchandise over the themings of its operating systems. Um, but I like the idea of a theme. Um, I was thinking for iOS, definitely something along the lines of of space in the future, especially since they're moving over to the spaceship campus. It would be mm-hmm. a little too like on the nose, but um, for them to do a space thing. But I could also kind of see them doing it, maybe naming it after the planets mm. or like star patterns or something space tastic. <laughs> space tastic. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. I just checked the sundial one more time, and we (laughs) have reached the end of the show. Everyone's given such great answers so far, but that means it's time for a bonus topic. And the question this week is sponsored by the Eclipse, of course, because I've talked a lot about it. Uh, My question (laughs) for you is, what is your favorite season? Winter, spring, summer, or fall? I'm not talking about television seasons. Season 7, episode 4. Lisa, we will start with you. So bear in mind, I live in coastal California, and that no, and that no. You only have one. Well, no, I was going to say because I live in coastal California, my favorite season is winter because the whales are migrating and um, it's rainy, so it's green and beautiful, and it's perfect hiking weather because you never get really hot and sticky. Um, however, when I lived back east and lifeguarded at, at theme parks and things like that, it was actually summer. So my my answer is highly weather and regional region dependent. <laughs> all right fair enough uh i would love to say spring but it doesn't last very long in the northeast and seasonal allergies also really enjoying the fifth season by nk jameson so pick that up uh but i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with fall uh which i like because it's it's uh, cool enough that i can like wear long pants but i don't have to wear like a heavy jacket leaves turn pretty colors uh it's just a nice time of year like i like that crisp cool fall day Dan, the only reason I'm cracking up is because fall is like a major thing on Tumblr and on Instagram where you get lots of pictures of pigeon-toed girls wearing wellies and holding cappuccinos in their little mittened hands. And now I desperately want a photo of you like tossing leaves over your head and then like sipping cider out of an oversized mug while winking at a camera. (laughs) Okay, it's coming. It's coming. Yay! I'm making a note. I'll do that this fall. You know, fall is also my favorite season, and for all of those reasons, that I like the wellies yes. and the cider and the cozy feeling and Halloween. Yes. I mean, that's that kind of wraps it all up. Yeah, honestly, I'm feeling a little attacked because fall is also my favorite season <laughs> for many of those same reasons, and I will not be made fun of. No, Mike and I, I, I pose for a, a photograph. Pumpkin, do a pumpkin yes. patch photo session, like put on a giant cable knit sweater and bite into a donut while you're sitting on a pumpkin it'll be great as if i don't already do that i I just need to see photos i just want to see photos so i can enjoy it no no, seriously like fall tumblr is a total thing like they have um like f yeah fall and f yeah autumn and lots and lots of pictures of people reading books and leaves and things like that and i love it i i really do like it when it's really hot in the summer i follow many of the like i I go to many of those tumblers and just remember that that fall will soon come and i will be a happy person again all these creamy Um, cable knit sweaters it's so beautiful yes indeed (laughs) I, i i love the fall well we should definitely wrap things up this week because dan we made it to the end of another episode. Woohoo! The, the eclipse didn't stop us. The eclipse didn't stop us, and it won't stop us from thanking our wonderful guests, Lisa Schmeiser. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. And managing editor, Leah Yamshan, thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you for having me. It was a blast as always. Micah, keep your eyes on that sundial until the next eclipse rolls around. I'll do my best, Dan. All right. And until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.